What does an 18-year veteran of the tech industry and a 20-year veteran of the military have in common? More than you might think. Welcome everyone to the, the Second, Second Act podcast, podcast, leveling up your life's journey. Welcome back, everyone. How you doing, Michael? I am doing well. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm man. <laughs> I'm good. I'm. Ba- I think I'm back officially. Not that I was gone, but uh, I was struggling the last couple episodes. So I think I'm back today. Well, yeah. We, you know, we talked about daily routines. I think you were having some and interference. <laughs> you were having some interference <laughs> with your daily routines. I was, man. You know, it's interesting. I so I've never been a morning workout guy, um, and then something clicked a couple years ago in my life, and I just started doing it. And I think it was because my my schedule changed. I usually had it built into the afternoons after lunch or on my way home from work. And when your schedule starts shifting, you just got to find time to do that. And for me, getting it in in the morning, getting it out of the way is is the key for me because I have to I have to get that thing in daily and man I'll tell you what the last couple of episodes I've been so struggling to just get on the air and get this thing recorded and for those of you guys listening that don't know a little behind the scenes we record this at 8 30 in the morning and I get my kids out the door at 7 30 so it gives me an hour before I can get on the air usually I show up sweaty and nasty <laughs> but uh I didn't do it the last two episodes and I felt myself struggling mentally, physically, just not there. But today I'm back. back. I, I got it done. I can feel those endorphins kicking in. And so, uh, <laughs> big smile on your face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for episode six, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I think at least for me, uh, I have a very similar situation in the mornings, you know, helping, uh, getting things in order so that uh, sort of the process is as efficient as possible. But, um, you know, that, I feel like that's the part of the day that you can have the most control over. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, if you can sort of structure it and control it as best as possible and then let the rest of the day sort of take its course, um, at least you feel like, you know, you have some ownership over something in the day uh, that made you feel good and, and helped out, uh, your family and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's good to be back, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So last week, uh, we continued our conversation about the importance of, of a community, mentors, coaches, friends, family. Um, I think we also dove into why saying no is vital to our well being and the things we want to accomplish in life. You know, events that act as wake-up calls for, for us to take action now. And then we closed out with some discussion on not forgetting to enjoy these moments along the way, celebrating the small victories. So absolutely, and I'm excited for this episode because I think our audience wants to hear more about opportunities and trade-offs, as well as being true to your calling, stay in the course, and in spite of seemingly easier or, or faster paths to the things you want to accomplish in life. Um, I don't know about you, but I think this conversation could go, could go a number of directions. Uh, yeah, I'm 
I'm sure it will, because uh, these these topics are kind of broad, um, and it's it's probably a little bit different for everyone. Um, which you know we can bring our own personal experiences into it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's let's get into it. Opportunities and trade offs. Well, I, I'll, I was going to say real real quick. I actually talked to one of our listeners um, over the weekend, and she. She was amazed that we bring such openness um, to this podcast. And she said, I, I don't know. You guys just seem very genuine. You seem very open and unafraid to uh, share what's going on. And I said, listen, if, if I was afraid of doing that, one, I wouldn't be on the podcast. And two, I probably wouldn't have stopped my, my daytime job. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that's what we strive to do. We don't really have an agenda here, except for trying to help the people that are behind us making those decisions to transition into something new. And so I think our strength is being organic and being open yep. to our struggles. And, you know, we've a couple episodes ago, you know, I was almost in tears. I think you, you've been close yep. just sharing, you know, the struggles and, and I think this episode's going to be no different. Um, a lot of heartache, a lot of learning. Um, some victories, I think, in the future to to sh- be shared. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, getting into the opportunities that are ahead of us um, and some of those trade-offs, they are difficult conversations, but I think, you know, we're just going to, we're going to commit to staying true to who we are. Absolutely. Yeah. The authenticity is important in, in conversations today and people don't want to hear uh, you know, everything is sunshine and rainbows all the time. Like everybody has sure. the same, everyone's got problems, <laughs> you know, uh, and, yeah. um, talking about it, even if it's just dialogue between me and you and, and nobody's listening, I mean, it's helpful for me. And, uh, and I think it's probably yeah. helpful for you. And, and for those yep. that are listening, I think they can relate to it and be like, oh, you know, there's somebody else out there who's also, you know, trying to juggle a million things and they're having bad days and, you know, they're having a tough time deciding between X, Y, and Z. So yeah, it's, uh, we try to be as real as possible and share our stories and experiences and and hope it resonates with, with the folks out there. Yeah, I agree. So I, I think this topic is a great follow-up, um, you know, to our previous discussion around saying no to get to that. Yes. And, and man, in this last year, leaving the Marine Corps, going into entrepreneurship, starting coaching, starting my real estate career, I have found that there are no shortage of ideas or opportunities pulling me in all kinds of directions. Are you finding that to be true in, in this second act of your life? I am. I, I, there's there's always ideas out there and and opportunities to chase um i you're you know you're pursuing real estate and coaching and other things i've i've been investing for um in the financial markets for a while and come out of the tech sector uh and you know you have to you just have to get to a point where you realize you're you're not missing out on stuff like stay focused on some things there's there's a book called black swan um by nassim talib hopefully i'm pronouncing his name correctly uh where he describes the idea of these 
these black swan events or outlier events. And I, I think yeah. of that as like the, uh, maybe some of these opportunities, um, and, and then sort of from there, the trade-offs you have to make and whether you want to capitalize on those opportunities, but these events sure. are, are perceivably rare. So, uh, in some cases, these things should never even happen. But I guess one of the points in his, in his book is that, um, these, these black swan events are actually more frequent than one might imagine, but the windows of opportunity for these things are, are actually small. They open up and then they close, um, but on a more frequent basis than, than one might imagine. So in the investing world, uh, you know, if you think about this, once you've committed capital to something, um, you're potentially giving up future opportunities to deploy capital in something else. Uh, so you have all these sure. opportunities coming out to at you and and you can maybe deploy a little here, a little there. Uh, but I think having a good understanding of something you want to invest in or a business you want to pursue yeah. or even a soulmate worth going to the ends of the world for, paired with having conviction about that something being the right thing is the yep. effective thought process for a go, no go decision. Yeah. No, I, I was laughing about when you talked about investments and deploying capital, I think two or three years ago when I started getting into real estate syndications and getting into multifamily, I was learning this process and I felt like I was the last person on earth to learn about apartment syndications. And it was, it was kind of in a, a heyday when everybody was starting to do their own syndication and buy some multifamily properties. But man, when I was learning, I started seeing these investments pop up and I went crazy. First couple of ones that I saw, I, I jumped into and then I realized, oh man, they're all over the place. <laughs> when, you know, it's like when you, when you buy a new car and you think, oh man, I'm the only person with this car. But now you're attuned to yep. what you're driving, and then you you realize everybody's got the <laughs> the car that you've got. You know, it's like they're all over the place. Yeah. Um, when you're not looking, you don't notice. But when you start to open up your aperture to whatever that is, whether it's an investment or a vehicle or or, or an opportunity, you start realizing that it's a lot more available than you think. Yeah. And man, if I would have just sat back and really dialed in that criteria for what I wanted to invest in, I would have, I would have had more success, right? Yeah. I, I think that the, they are successful in where I'm sitting right now, but if I were really, really would have narrowed in that criteria, it would have been just a little bit more beneficial for me. So, you know, as people I think are learning and expanding maybe into their second act or learning about the new thing that they're getting into, um, it's it's imperative that we just take that deep breath mm -hmm. and we slow down and we let things kind of settle. You know, let let that new knowledge set settle in, so that you can see where you where you're sitting. Yeah, right. And then and then figure out. Okay, now that I'm in this new arena, I'm going to figure out the direction that I'm going to go because if we just act. If, if we are how I've been in my life, which is ready, fire, aim, <laughs> you know, just get that bullet out of the chamber and we'll course correct as necessary. Yeah. Take that little step back and slow down just a little bit. You're a lot more effective, I think. Yeah, 100%. It, and it's, 
Yeah, I find it it's strange because I, I, I suffer, you know, from the, the same thing. I want to act. I, I want to operate with a sense of urgency. I want to get stuff done. But then I remind myself, to your point, like take a pause, let things settle. There's a tendency for people to look for the next best alternative all the time because they may be missing out on something if they don't go after every opportunity that looks appealing. But the reality is, is that it just typically doesn't play out that way. In fact, you can probably drive yourself nuts um, trying to chase everything. So it, yeah. it's, it, it, it's a constant reminder uh, to myself um, to, to slow down, um, to speed up actually. And, and, yeah. you know, we've talked previously, John, about everyone having the same, same baseline for time you know, 168 hours yeah. in the week. Nobody, nobody can sure. manufacture more hours for themselves. Uh, yeah. And so how you use it becomes critically important in the decisions you make, the things that you do. Um, and it's different for everyone. Um, I think a good way to think about it is like, what are your non-negotiables like for the day sure. or for the week? Something for you, something for your family, something for your company. So for you, it could be like a workout, reading, networking, yeah. getting eight hours of sleep. Um, for your family, it could be making dinner for the family, playing music as a family, watching a uh, movie as a family. And then for your business, it could be building a strategy. It could be things like executing a plan or a project, raising money, being, being a great leader for your employees, maintaining, maintaining a strong company culture, so those, I think yeah. once you lay out your non-negotiables, uh, then it makes it easier to do the calculation on the opportunities and trade-offs. That non-negotiable, man, what a great, um, what a great idea. You know, for my wife, non-negotiable is, is her workout. She is getting that thing in. I mean, she, she's a school teacher, yeah. so she's up early, but she gets up at 4.15 every morning, regardless of when she gets to bed. Well, that for her is her, the start of her day. Mm -hmm. And if she is in there and she's, you know, able to work out and, and get that accomplished, it just is a building block. It's a foundation for the rest of her day. But she notices when she misses that first thing, there's a trickle down effect. Yep. And it just like we talked about, uh, you know, 15 minutes ago and me getting a workout in before a podcast, I. I just feel like I bring so much more energy when I've got that thing done. Maybe it's the endorphins. Maybe it's just accomplishing that one thing. But those non-negotiables, when you set those priorities in motion and everything else falls in line, you feel more dialed in. You feel more um, accurate with what that goal is and, and, um, you know, with where you're going. Yeah. So absolutely. It's kind of a good segue, I think. It is. I, I was going to bring up a couple more points, I think on like opportunities and trade-offs. So, it, you know, once you get past or have defined your, your personal non-negotiables and you're thinking about the opportunities and the things you're going to do to get to them, like have these targets or goals, but remain flexible. And yeah. this is especially true as you learn new information uh, that can uncover gaps or obstacles or even evolve the timelines, this I know this happens to me all the time. I have some targets or things I want to get done uh, that help move me towards the opportunities I've decided to pursue. 
but I know as I start to execute on something, I realize that there's dependencies on on something that I didn't expect or, or wasn't thinking about, um, or you were thinking too far into the future, and there's more immediate things to address first. Um, yeah. And, you know, a couple of other things. Last week, we talked about the importance of saying no, or, or you wind up getting spread too thin. Uh, that's how we started out the conversation today. One of the one of the CEOs I used to work for would say, you can't have one foot in the boat and one foot on the dock if you want to get going. Um, so saying no or or not now really just tells the other person, the other party that you're committed to something you're all in on something and it's, it's, it's not personal. It's not like personal. It, I just am focused right now on, on something important, uh, which comes back to the, the trade-offs and, and the opportunities. Um, and then I think lastly, does what I'm doing take me closer to what I envisioned or further away from it? I think that's a good sort of frame like this. You present your, yourself with a binary decision that's a forcing mechanism for what you'll do next. Because if something's not taking you towards your goal, it's taking you away from it. And you think about that in the context of these opportunities and trade-offs um, is, is super helpful. And I, I have a big whiteboard in my office, uh, which has been one of the best investments I've made for productivity and sort of like sketching out things, ideas. Or like, and I'll, I won't come back to just letting things settle. I'll have them up there for a couple of days, maybe a week. And then some of them I'll be like, well, that actually I shouldn't do that. Or I shouldn't think about it. this is not the right time for that. And I'll just erase it. Um, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. I just, you know, clarity, interestingly enough, has come up in my conversation over the past three days when I have conversations with individuals outside of, of, of the house. It's, it's been very interesting that, that, that clarity is a topic that is widely um, discussed and it's people losing that clarity, people losing the focus and they start spreading themselves thin. And And I'm guilty of this. When I got the Marine Corps, man, everything was attractive. I I wanted to do coaching and I wanted to do real estate, but everything else started creeping in. Everything from from daily coffees and conversations and meetups and, you know, investments and these things, right? These shiny objects. Mm -hmm. But um, when you discover clarity and you know what that thing is, what that, what that target looks like, and you know your boundaries and your left and right lateral limits, mm -hmm. you know, it is highly, highly effective to hone in and, and then start applying your energies towards that. So, yeah, yeah, that's, um, that, that's, and I think that kind of goes into the calling, yes, right? Absolutely. And, and one question that has been asked of me that I think our audience is wondering, when do you discover your calling and is it, is it something that changes? Um, you know, I wonder about these things myself because I have gone from, Marine Corps, you know, from, from college to 20 years in the Marine Corps and flying to this, this, you know, bookmark to, you know, the next chapter, which is incredibly different. There's, there's not a lot of segue until you really dig in and find the things that, that are parallel. 
but I'm going into a new realm, right? Commercial real estate development, yep. coaching, these things at first, at first light don't necessarily uh, correspond, but then when you start, like I said, digging in, then you can see the, the, the um, connections, All right? So I guess my calling is not necessarily in what I am doing, not my vocation. Mm -hmm. It's who I am as a person, as for me, as a believer, as a husband, as a father, you know, as a friend, then, then the everything else, um, that's my calling. How is that defined? Or am I refining that calling on a continual basis? Am I trying to really get into what those things mean and what truly matters. So, I mean, are you defining that calling now as you get out of tech and you go down this entrepreneurial road? Uh, are you having to redefine that calling? It's, it's such a heavy word. Like your calling, like it's like it's like this super um, important sort of thing that's your your driver in life, and uh, I you know it's not not something you want to rush into because it, it if you do that it might not might not actually be your calling, and uh, you know for some they know from an early age. Yeah what their calling will be for others. It comes later in life and sometimes much later in life. And that's, that's okay. I, I, you know, if someone were to look at, at my background, you know, face value, surface level, they, they might say your calling is something in tech. Uh, you know, you've spent 18 years in tech, uh, doing these things to help these companies. Um, so that, that seems to be your calling. And, and maybe it is, maybe, maybe I'll find out in retrospect that, that it is something in tech and, and maybe it's not, uh, something I've done yet, but something I plan to do, um, on my own or, or with a company, or maybe it's pursuing, um, uh, this online media, uh, business that we're starting and this podcast. And, um, because I, I really enjoy um, I know I really enjoy helping lift others up. And I, I start this process by being an empathetic listener and, uh, and really being a genuinely curious person uh, about who the other person on the other side of the table is, how they became the person that they are today, where they might be struggling uh, and figuring out what I can do to help. I, I know I love that aspect of it and I can bring that into business and that business may be tech or I can bring it into the things we're doing here in our conversations. Um, you know, other other people might think of a calling. I don't know if you've watched uh, Chef's Table on Netflix, um, but another docu-series. If, if, yeah. if the listeners yeah. haven't figured out by now, I like the, I like the documentary docu-series on, uh, on, the, on the Netflix <laughs> shows, but... Um, these, these folks are so, we're not sponsored by we're Netflix, not, by the we're way. not, but you know, if they're open to it, come on, bring it. <laughs> we're, we're happy to be sponsored by Netflix. Um, uh, you see, and you hear how passionate these chefs are about the, 
I don't even like what they're making. It's like the experience that they're bringing in, uh, in the dining, yep. you know, of the patrons and, uh, and through their food, they're creating these experiences through their food. And it's really impressive. So I don't know that I'm just giving sort of two extremes in terms of calling, but, um, yeah, that, that's kind of where my head's yep. at on that. And, uh, I don't know if I gave you a, a pinpoint answer down on, on what my calling is, but, um, I know the things that, that sort of inspire me, um, and the things that maybe are, lose interest over time. Yeah. So, you know, Michael, I, I appreciate, you, you know, what you just said, and I think I've got an even more granular example for people that are listening. And I'll, I'll let me go back to a year ago. I really felt like I had this niche carved out with one of my partners who is a school trained real estate developer, but one of the best in the business and mm -hmm. another individual who is a property manager. And we all three came to the table and said, we want to do development. Well, for those of you that don't know, development is a long and arduous process, very capital intensive upfront. And, and the, the payout is very slow on the back end because it's mostly tied into to the equity of whatever you're building. Well, we, we put a lot of effort to the last eight months on a singular project that I was very proud of. Well, it didn't finish. We didn't get to the finish line and it was for a lot of reasons. We learned a ton, but we started thinking, okay, what do we got to do? What do we need to change? Well, this, this space in real estate it, that is called value add, and it's taking a property, making it better in some regard, in some measurable um, area, and then allowing that to grow, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's not as difficult as development. It's not as timely as development. It's not as cost intuitive as development. So therefore, we started to look at that as an alternative. And it wasn't really until uh, two weeks ago, we were at a conference, the three three of us, my two partners and I, we were at a con multifamily conference in Denver. And we're listening and, and it's an amazing conference, really great. It was called the Scale Multifamily Conference and put on very professional, but I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my partners and I'm looking at the rest of people in the room and I'm thinking, we are the only ones here that are dedicated to development not multifamily value add, but development, ground up development. And we, we stopped after the conference was over and we had a, we kind of had a heart to heart and we said, listen, our name is Aspire Development Group. We are, we are outside. We are not focused on what our calling is. We are not doing the thing that we've set out to do because we have been distracted by something that's a little easier a little faster, a little more, um, a little less cost intuitive mm -hmm. up front, and it gives us a return faster. But everybody that we know is in this space, and mm -hmm. and a lot of people are doing it very well. But it's not what we set out to do as as a group. Yep. And so when we sat down and we really fleshed that out and really had that conversation, we realized. We had deviated from what we set out to do. We had blurred the, the lines of our mission statement. 
we took the time to say, okay, we need to readjust. We need to come back to what is us. What is Aspire? And I'll tell you, Michael, when, as soon as we did that, it was like the, the earth opened up and or the options yeah. opened up. And we started seeing this potential because now we're getting back to who we truly want to be and who we truly are. And I think that is, that is my, you know, the most recent thing that I have to be, to, to convey about being true to your calling and staying the course. You can set out with great intentions to do something. And as soon as opposition comes up, up against you, and as soon as things don't work out the first or second time, it's easy to pivot and say, well, I'm going to do this other thing. And that may be a very viable solution or maybe stay in the course is going yeah. to result in the greatest achievement. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I, I can relate to that from uh, sort of a financial markets investment perspective in that, um, Patience is a key ingredient to um, being successful in investing. And uh, some of the worst investments I've made are because um, a, a perceived opportunity popped up uh, for, for something and uh, it looked like uh, an attractive buy, but I didn't know too much about that space. I didn't necessarily understand the business, but it you know, from a, from a pure price perspective, it's like, no, well, that's, I mean, that looks pretty cheap. Yeah. Uh, sure. but I, I learned later that it was still expensive <laughs> and, yeah. um, yeah. and so it's, it comes back to, you know, the opportunities and trade-offs and having conviction about what you're doing. And I think, you know, if, if you say or think you have conviction about something, the universe will test you. It will we oh, yeah. will face temptation to travel a different road, go in a different direction. Um, so what do you think about, what, what should the audience, the audience think about, John, when they're facing these temptations? And do you have any recommendations on, on how to best stay the course? Yeah, I think like we just talked about, being clear on your, on your yeah. vision, being clear on your mission statement, writing it down. Yeah, so the other day somebody asked me, how do you stay focused when you're, when you're not succeeding? And I say, I go back to what I wrote down. Now, we as a, a group, a development group wrote down a, a kind of a, a mission statement. In my family, I've written down the things that matter to me. As, as partners, you and I on this podcast, we've got a vision of what we want to deliver. Yep. And I think Going back to that, when opposition arises, allows you to say, no, this is what I set out to do originally. I'm going to keep going. I'm, I'm going to persevere because in the end, staying true to my calling, staying true to what I set out to do is more important to me than success that's maybe not even measured by myself. You know, it's a perceived success. Right? Are we allowing the the world to dictate what we think success is? And writing that down, you know, in the Marine Corps, we say if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Okay, okay. Part of that planning is writing that mission statement. It's making sure that everybody is clear on the direction that you're going. And if 
everyone is not clear, you better take the time to make sure they're all on the same page. Yep. Because when things start going away from the plan that you set, you're going to need to be resolute in why you started in the first place. Yeah. I, I think that's great advice. Writing things down, getting uh, agreement with whatever other party, whether it's your family, friends, your your uh, partners, uh, is, is a really important component to that. And I believe temptation exists for everyone all the time. And it's really, uh, it comes down to like a risk management exercise that... Yeah plays a part into the question I shared earlier, am I getting closer to or further away from what I envisioned? And I think what you're describing, writing it down and, and being true to your calling or, or what you had originally set out to do is, is the way to do that. Now, there are circumstances that may turn temptation into necessity, right? Like, let's sure. say, let's say, for instance, you decide to pursue an entrepreneurial path for yourself, but all of a sudden you're faced with a family health crisis. You know, do you do you double down and and put maybe your family at risk in some way or do you fall back to something that'll help your family in a time of need? Uh maybe not giving up but deferring something. Um some of the the premise for the book Leaders Eat Last helps readers understand uh some of this dynamic and I know for me and in my outlook on life that it's a decision like that comes pretty easily because I, like you, I, I have a family at, at the top and, um, and it just knowing the, the order of operation in terms of yeah. what's important and, and what to focus on, uh, makes, makes one of those types of decisions easy, but it does, it's not easy for everybody. And this, um, kind of leads me into, Maybe another point I want to make on on this discussion, or, or rather an existential question, it's because I don't, I don't, I don't know. What I don't know is this: if a person finds their calling, is it mutually exclusive to other things in their life that would bring happiness, contentment, security, whatever? Um, I want to believe that there is a way to find harmony between these two things that could be at odds with each other. At times, yeah. um, and you know, I bet there's probably starkly different opinions on this matter, but I don't think one voids the other. I, I, I think sure. I think it's a, not a pendulum, but it, it's it's something that can uh, adjust over time if necessary. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I understand what you're saying. When I did join the Marine Corps, I was probably the farthest away from what people thought I would be doing post uh, graduation from from college. Yeah. And it shocked a lot of people. But then when I got into it and I started performing and doing and it became a part of who I was, it matched and people changed their tune and they're like, man, yeah. This actually fits you very well. <laughs> so I think that I think that's what you're trying to get at is yeah. sometimes you can pursue something that doesn't seem like it's a natural fit, but then it's it's almost as if 
it, you know, polar opposites start aligning, you know, like a, like a magnet, um, being able to reverse course because of another magnet. And, and then it's like, wow, that just, it just fits. It just makes sense. Yeah. You know, some people might say, well, John, why didn't you spend a, a lifetime in the Marines? Why, why'd you stop at 21 and go to 30 or 40 years? And, uh, you know, I, I can, I can relate to wanting to maybe change directions, uh, yeah. after, after a long period of time, um, and, and do something on your own. Uh, you've probably had entrepreneurial, um, you know, entrepreneurial spirit in you for, for as long as I have. Uh, yeah. and that doesn't mean, I, I don't think any of these things are, are infinite for, for the rest of our lives. We're going to be doing this one thing. You, you have the ability to just, um, change courses needed. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's hard to think there's anyone out there that has not been faced with multiple opportunities and making the trade-offs and figuring out if they've found their calling and that their, their conviction of their calling is strong enough to help them stay the course when tested with the things that matter that make, um, their life a whole lot easier. You have any final thoughts that we can leave with the audience today and in, in helping them in their journey based on all the all the stuff we've talked about today? Well, I think I'm gonna go back to writing out your vision and really putting thought into it and getting that on paper. You know, or a Google Doc or, you know, something that you that you can look at and edit and and keep it as a living document. Because you may write something down and it may be what you think is, is the course that you should pursue, but maybe it needs a little bit of refinement. You know, in the example I used earlier for Aspire Development Group, yeah, we're, we are a development group. We, we have a developer, we are going that direction, but we are going to have to pivot a little bit based on the economy, based on interest rates, yeah. based on investor sentiment right? Based on deal flow or opportunity, we are going to have to pivot a little bit, but that doesn't change who we truly are. You know, go, going back to the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps has a clear vision. Interestingly enough, right now they have no issue recruiting new Marines because they don't deviate from who they are. They don't, they don't, when, when times are tough and when their recruiting is uh, plaguing every other branch, the Marine Corps has been very true about who they are and setting out to who they want. And that's very appealing, especially when there's a lot of time of of influx and a lot of time of, of change and deviation and people not knowing necessarily which direction they want to go when, when something is steady. Yep. You know, when when you look at styles and you look at building, you know, homes that are continue to be in, in vogue, right? It, yeah. It's interesting that some of those things have been true for tens and 20 to hundreds of years, right? Some of those, what we call classic, you know, designs and classic styles. Well, yeah. the Marine Corps is classic, right? They, they have had the same motto, the few, the proud, um, the Marines yep. forever, and they've always said who they wanted, and that's not really ever changed. 
And so when you write something down, that's setting that there in stone, it's, it's putting it, that vision in front of you. You may have to shift a little bit, but you can always come back to who that truly, um, who, what you're truly trying to accomplish. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just add to that. I think it really boils down to what, what it is that I truly want, what somebody truly wants and for what purpose. Is it love? Is it money? Is it freedom? Is it power? And then what are you willing to give up to get it? And you really should put a lot of thought into that particular question um, as you think about, again, all the opportunities and the trade-offs and uh, in, in what you want to have to lead a happy or a content life, uh, however you define yeah. that. Yeah. Man, so good. Yeah. Man, with that, Michael, I think that's a, a great way to end. Um it's I think I think today's episode was was really good. I, I appreciate yeah. the input you brought. Um and despite all the uh the difficulties we had getting this thing recorded, uh, it was yeah. I think a great episode. And so for those of you out there listening, thank you so much for giving us your time, the most important resource you have. Thank you for listening. And uh, don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite platform, subscribe, and uh, reach out to us. If, If there's something that we can talk about and give some insight in from our experience, just let us know. Look forward to hearing from you, and we'll see you next time. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone. The Second Act with Michael and John features Michael Newborn and John Ballinger. The podcast is produced by Seltzer Kings. For more information on the show, check out michaelandjohn.com. Or if you'd like to get involved in the conversation, give the guys a shout on their socials at The Second Act with Michael and John on most platforms. Thanks for listening. Okay.